I would like to call the meeting of the Community Police Review Board Community Forum to order on Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023 at 5.30 p.m. I need to remind the audience that this is a public forum, which is public record and being recorded for rebroadcast on City Channel 4. Could we have the roll call? Here. Hobart? Here. Jensen? McConnell? Here. Beckus? Yes. Remington? Here. Townsend? Here. Okay. We're going to now introduce ourselves to you. Sure. I'm Jerry McConnell. I'm the chair for this past year. Hi, my name is Rick Downing, and I've been on the board for this is going on my second year now, and it's very interesting, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. It's quite an eye-opening experience how the city government works. Mandy Remington, and I've been on the board for three years. Salamakis, three years. Oliver Townsend, and I'm in my second term. Jessica Hobart, I've been here for about a month. <laughs> okay, I would like to consider a motion to accept correspondence and or documents. So moved. Second. It was. Uh, no. Yep, those two. Okay. Um, we don't have any. <laughs> None were submitted. Okay, yes. We're going to give a brief summary of the CPRB. Um, you can always follow along on the, the chart on the back, but mainly um, our Community Police Review Board, hereafter referred to as CPRB, consists of seven members appointed by the City Council. We have our own legal counsel. Uh, we were the first Police Review Board in the state of Iowa. We review reports prepared after investigation of complaints about alleged police misconduct. It, it then is, owns written, I'm sorry. It then issues its own written reports that contain detailed findings of fact and conclusions that explain why and the extent to which complaints should be sustained or not sustained. We maintain a central registry of complaints against sworn police officers and prepares annual reports to the city council on the disposition of these complaints. We review police policies, procedures, and practices and may recommend modifications to them. The board should hold at least one community forum each year for the purpose of hearing views on policies, practices, and procedures of the Iowa City Police Department. We have only, only limited civil administration review powers. We have no power of authority over criminal matters or police discipline. All complaints to the board must be filed with the city clerk within 
180 days of the alleged misconduct. Any person with personal knowledge of the alleged police misconduct may file a CPRB complaint with the board. In order to have personal knowledge, one has to have been directly involved or witnessed. Any observation on social media, television, or other media outlets does not have the requisite personal knowledge needed to file a report. We receive a completed complaint form, forward a copy to the police chief for an internal affairs investigation. Copy will also be sent to the equity director. A supervisor or investigator from the police department will contact the complainant as part of the investigation. If the complaint is about the chief, the city manager will conduct the investigation. The chief complete, completes the investigation within 90 days and issues a detailed written report that concludes, concludes with a finding that the complaint is sustained or not sustained. Copies of the chief's report are then sent to the board, the police officers, and the city manager. Complainants have 21 days to respond to the police chief's report, and the police chief shall have 10 days to respond to the complainant's response. The CPRB reviews the chief's report, and then we watch police body cams and car cams. So that's if we choose to do our own internal investigation. When we review a report from the chief, we have a few different options for where we go from there. If we do do our own investigation, that is when we can access cameras. Um, and then after we write our report, I'm sorry, we have 90 days to do that investigation. And after the end of those 90 days, we write a written report that states whether or not we believe that the complaint should be sustained or not sustained and why. And then we send that report to the chief. And um, we can also, sorry, we can also request an extension from city council if there is a specific reason that we cannot have it done in 90 days. That does not happen very often, but it is something that has happened on certain occasions. Once that report is submitted, it does become public. And that is one of the main things that the CPRB is able to do is to bring things to public light. Those are found on the city website um, and then also sent to the complainant, the police officers, city manager, equity director, and city council directly. If we disagree with the chief's decision, we can recommend that he reverse his findings. If it's determined that they're supported by substantial evidence, that his findings were unreasonable, arbitrary, or capricious, or that they're contrary to police department policy practice, federal, state, or local law. Um, again, that is just a recommendation um, other than the public reports. Everything else that we're able to do is make recommendations. Okay. Well, now I'll go to the one I skipped this one over for, the consider a motion to expect 
to accept correspondence and or documents, and none were received. Now I'd like to introduce Chief Liston to all of you. <laughs> and we'll have public discussion with the Community Police Review Board now. Uh, Jerry, before we move on, I would just like to say that, you know, our board is very fortunate to have a chief that's involved. Uh, yes. You know, our police chief basically sits in on all of our meetings. This is not something he has to do, but I think it just shows that the, the interest and the cooperation that we have in the city. I do want to clarify that's the public portion of the meeting. When we do our internal investigation, the police chief does leave along with the public so that our investigation is not um, affected or influenced by his presence. Okay. If anyone has any suggestions or comments, please step up to the podium, sign in, and state your first and last name for the public record. Anyone on Zoom that would like to speak, please raise your hand. This is also an opportunity to ask questions that we're actually able to answer. When we have formal meetings, we always have public commentary time, but we're not permitted to respond at those times. During these public forums, we are allowed to respond. It doesn't have to be a question. You may just make some comment. Usually somebody has a question for the chief. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. You have to come up to the. Step up to the yes. Sorry. And then um, sign in. Sign in where? Oh. Sorry. Is there? <laughs> it looks like a cannon. <laughs> so this question is largely informed by what I've read and not information I have about Iowa City. But I'm interested in whether or not the review board um, has dealt with issues related to police immunity and whether or not that's a concern in this community. We don't have um, anything to do with, with criminal matters. Um, so when we are investigating a complaint against an officer that is about a policy violation, not a crime, anything having to do with immunity would go through a court. And I think also I think it's important that we keep in mind that the boundaries that we function within, uh, the review board, mm -hmm. our responsibility is to look at the information and come to a decision as to whether or not the officer did anything inappropriate. In cases where we feel an officer did do something inappropriate, we don't deal with that. But in our in our final report, you know, we make recommendations to you know acknowledge this in report and make recommendations to the chief.
Okay. Okay. Iowa City has had a large military-grade um, vehicle, and um, I think in the last two or three years, it was replaced by another model. I'm not sure why it needs be replaced. But I'm concerned that um, this is a policy question and not um, an incident question, but the board may have opinions. Um, I'm concerned about the cost of maintaining the equipment and the cost of uh, training people to run the equipment when our community may not need that piece of equipment. I share a lot of concerns about that vehicle, but it is actually not an Iowa City vehicle. It is a county sheriff vehicle. And I think also there's been a lot of comments and concerns about that vehicle. And I guess as long as things are quiet and there's no problem, you know, you, you don't have any appreciation for that. Fortunately, here in our city, you know, we have an excellent lifestyle. We don't have a lot of the issues that big cities have. But if you remember back when they, we had the riots and things like that, you know, that nobody thought about that. But I think there was some concern that citizens may be injured and things like that, and, and you have to have a certain amount of control. So I think that vehicle is just something that we can probably not be happy about it, but if we really need it, then we appreciate it. Especially since there have been more police killings, you know, recently, one not too far from here. That's a good question, and it's kind of a hot topic. It certainly has been since I have been here. So uh, Mandy is right. It's a, it's a county vehicle that was donated. So it, 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 it didn't cost anything, but there's certainly a, there is some maintenance cost. Um, Iowa City has used it in the eight years we've had it. Uh, the county has had it. We've used it about eight times. We average about one time a year. And we use that on since I've been here, we've only used it on high-risk warrant operations. When So we try to do this technique where we call surround and call out so we don't have to go in after someone who's wanted. We can use the protection of that vehicle, call them to us. So that's how we use it. But we're certainly, I'm, I, 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 when we use it, uh, that's what I'm talking about for probably the next month because I know the community has some serious concerns about that, which I get. There had been talk for some while about getting a civilian version because that is military grade. It doesn't have weapons or anything, but it, it did come from the, its military surplus, getting a civilian version. But those things are exceedingly expensive. And in my opinion, given the infrequency of its use, I don't know that it, I, it would be worth the expenditure on two hundred fifty dollars or $300,000 for a civilian version of that. Um, I think the people who are unhappy with um, the MRAP 
uh, would be unhappy with the civilian version of it too, so I don't think that would solve any problems. But I'm certainly cognizant, my agency is cognizant of the heartburn that the community has over that, so we try to avoid using it. We only use it when we absolutely need it. Um, and fortunately, you know, I don't wanna say it out loud because I feel like I'm jinxing ourselves, but we haven't used it in quite some time. So, but those are concerns that I'm well aware of and I think uh, many people in the community share those, so I, I understand that. Thank you. We have nobody from Zoom. Okay. If I may add, if you don't have any more questions, um, after we adjourn, if you feel more comfortable talking to us uh, individually, uh, we'll be around for, for a few minutes. Okay. Did anybody, oh, looks like we have, oh, Dorothy. I'm just sort of here by accident. A friend let me know what was going on. Um, I have a family member who's on the police force here, and I am just concerned about uh, the, the lack of staff and how do we find them and um, what are the barriers. Um, there's somebody running for a, a, a position on um, and, oh, I can't even think of what it is. I mean, we get to vote October 10th. Who has the idea that a piece of the money that goes to the police department should go to pay for people who ride along, who have mental health um, uh, professions, who are professionally uh, licensed, who could take care of the mental health things that come along. I doubt that that would work out because how would you know if it's a safe place to go for a person who is not uh, uh, an officer who doesn't have arms. Um, but I, I wish that there were some way that the public could get behind the police in a more useful way and that the monies could be used to hire. Um, as a social worker in my profession, I would not want to go to many of the uh, calls that that the police get. And I don't know how you know ahead of time what you're going to run into. Um, so I just want to say I appreciate the police department and everything that they do. And I wish we could give them more support. And I am very appreciative of, of your work and how you've done things here. Thank you. Thank you, Dorothy. You're welcome, Jerry. I can speak to at least like the mental health piece. Um, so as a fellow social worker, um, I can tell you that there are mental health liaisons starting to work with police departments. Um, so Coralville has one, North Liberty has one. There are various departments with social workers who are being hired. Um, I actually talked to them about that for an extent of time. Um, so they are being hired and I understand not everyone feels safe as like a social worker or mental health worker doing those types of work, but there are some of us who are definitely willing to do so. Um, but I think the chief should probably speak on the staffing other than that. But yes, there are a lot of mental health um, agencies supplying those liaisons around our area as well. And I think there's been over the years concern about 
funding and uh, some people feel that the police budget shouldn't be as much as it is but I think we need to be realistic you know in terms of what the what the objective and goal of our police force is and I think it's, it's not an area where we can have the luxury of cutting back or you know not giving what's needed because we're talking about people that are doing a job where they can lose their lives, you know, if someone reacts in a negative way. So I think the, the first thing we want to do is we want to keep on making sure that we're giving our police officers what they need to be able to do their job and return home after it's in the evening. Uh, so every agency, law enforcement, or otherwise, is having staffing issues, and that includes mental health services. So the Iowa City Police Department has had one mental health liaison who is an employee of community that my agency helps fund. Um, we've had him for a year and a half now, and they're still struggling to get a second one. They have just hired a second one, I'm happy to say, and that will be working with us, so we'll have... Uh, we won't have 24-7 coverage, in my opinion. I don't know that we need that quite yet, but we're that's a long-term city council goal, and we're headed that direction. So now we'll have about oh, 16 hours of coverage a day with a mental health liaison, which, which is great. Um, to your point about uh, not feeling safe, I, I get that. That's why we usually... Our model is the co-responder, so they usually respond with an officer or after the scene is safe. Um, I think the, the hope, the idea is that that might reduce calls for service. Uh, we, I haven't seen that yet, but it certainly is a big value added. They, they offer services that we cannot offer. I think our officers are well trained. The entire county uh, law enforcement, whether it's North Liberty, us, county, are all crisis intervention trained. Um, so, but we're not, we're not uh, mental health professionals. So we team with community uh, with mobile, uh, mobile crisis. They respond to a lot of our calls and certainly the people that we have in-house. So um, they, they're a good part of our team. Um, and I, I really think it's just value added to, to, they can do things that we can't do, specifically follow up. Like an officer is going call to call to call and they're not able to check in with someone to make sure they're getting the help they need and that's what the mental health liaison does. So we're appreciative of that. As far as our staffing goes, um, we are authorized 85 officers. As we sit today, we are at 78. Um, we have three conditional offers out to people who are not certified, which means they would have to go to the police academy in Des Moines and then they would have to come back for our field training program. That Those two pieces are eight months alone before they can really be contributing members of the department. So the turnaround time is a long time. The academy that I'm speaking of is, begins in January. So realistically, those three people, we have a new list that we just certified. We're hopeful, hopeful to get a couple more to go to the academy on that one. They won't be contributing to the Iowa City Police Department fully until about this time next year. So that's how long it takes us to get it turned around. One of the things we have been doing lately is hiring certified officers, meaning they've already been to the academy, they're a police officer somewhere else. Um, they don't have to go up to the academy, so that takes four months out of that process. Um, they still go through our field training program because we want to show them how we expect people to be police officers in Iowa City. Um, and we've We've changed some things. The union and the city agreed to change some things in the contract that gives me the authority to hire them at a level commensurate with their experience. 
So that has helped. And we just changed that so we haven't really seen how that's going to help, but it certainly will. And, and I don't want to steal other certified officers from other agencies because they have the same uh, staffing issues we do, but Iowa City has a lot to offer for this area other than Cedar Rapids. It's one of the bigger agencies, so there's opportunity. So the, the community attracts, the community is my best recruiter, the university and the community, but also the size of our agency. Uh, people feel like they have opportunity to do different jobs um, as opposed to maybe some other agencies. Some people want to be in a small agency. Some people want to. My former agency was 1,200 officers. We've got 85. So there's, it's all about scale and scope. But um, I think we're doing a good job on recruiting. So when, when those three new ones start, that'll put us at 81, which will probably be the high water mark. So some people say, well, if you've been working with this many officers, why can't you keep it at that level? It is extremely, if, if you have a family member in law enforcement, we have minimum staffing that we have to maintain. Um, and people get forced to work. And when we're hiring new officers, I want them to feel like they can enjoy some time with their family instead of working every single day off. And, I, and it's just not safe to have officers working certain amount of, you know, X amount of hours. So that's why we feel our staffing is where it is. One of the things I would like to turn you on to is the, um, in December of 2020, the city manager published a preliminary plan for restructure. And in that has a good history of the, the community police review board, how it started, and a lot of the statistics. But it also takes a deep dive into our staffing and compares our staffing to other similarly situated cities. And, uh, and it'll give you some interesting information on how our staffing is and how it compares to other uh, college towns or university towns. So, uh, Excuse me, do you have like volunteer staff too that would go to like football games, you know, high school football games? Are you know basketball games, so not taking a police officer. You Those, know, I know Johnson County has sheriffs that are, I don't know, reserve. Sheriffs, they have reserves. And the, I don't know. If the city guys. does not have that. The sheriff does. We do um, when we staff, and that's another problem with our staffing. Uh, the school district, the university has expectations right. that we, you know, provide. And sometimes we just can't do it, especially over the last couple of years. We're, we're starting to get out of that a little bit to where we are able to do that. But that's in addition. That, that's what they call it contract. So, so the mean, district would pay us back. Yeah. But no, we don't have volunteers. And it, it, we can't have a volunteer do it because there's some legalities with that if they're sure. not getting paid. Yeah, I was just asking. I but that's a, that would help. That's a good yeah. Related. Um, some of this is historic. I don't know to what extent it's current, but there's got to be a large range of um, tasks that require police assistance. Classic example: old school. You need to get them. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Because we record these. So the a classic example is call the police to get your cat down who's stuck up high in the tree. Uh, how do you manage calls for things that don't require police versus things that Another great question, and that is one of the things that was part of the preliminary plan is diverting calls that don't require police officers. And I will tell you, there's no one who wants to go to a non-police call uh, worse than a police officer. But 
one of, a couple, there's a couple of limiting factors. One of them is we do not run, the Iowa City Police Department does not run our dispatch. That's run by Johnson County. Um, so, uh, and another thing is calls don't always come in as they actually are. You've got someone who may be in some sort of panic situation or crisis and they're trying to tell you what's going on. You've got some person on the other side of the line trying to make heads or tails of that and then deciding what it is and who needs to go. And I think we've gotten to a point in our society where the default answer is us because they don't want to assume the liability like, oh, we sent someone else. I don't, you can name whichever organization and someone got hurt. You know, so that's, that's what we're working through. One of the things we're doing right now with community uh, is trying to do diversion. Certainly 988, I think, is going to help with that. Um, but in the long run, I, I think it's a, it's a paradigm shift. Like, uh, there, you know, there are some people I know that have never called the police in their entire life. And then there are other people I know that that is the first option. Uh, and so, um, I know there are people, community groups in our community that are currently working on that. Um, it, it's going to take some time, but uh, that, that's a great question. That's one of the things we struggle with. Um, so I think the first answer is figure out a way, kind of retraining. Uh, that's why they changed the national number from nine, the, the suicide hotline or to 988, because everyone knows 911. Um, now if a lot of the calls we go to are much better the people are better equipped to handle it is 988. And some of them don't require someone to show up. They just need someone to talk to or they need uh, someone who can guide them to the correct resources. So that's a fantastic question. And if I had the answer to that, if we could figure that out, that would solve a lot of problems. I think it's going to be an incremental thing that we just keep working over time. And I think as new generations come up, they learn that, hey, the, the police aren't the people who... I fix people's water pipes, and I'm not, I can't even fix my own water pipes. I, you know, we've done all sorts of things before. So it, it's, when in doubt, we're the ones who end up getting called, and it's going to take time. Chief, but the Johnson a, County, sorry. Yeah, Chief, I have a question for you. You indicated that the uh, dispatch is run by Johnson County. Would it be advantageous if the police department, you know, handled the dispatch themselves? They used to. Uh, when I did my internship here in '97, we had they they still even refer to that section of our building as dispatch because they used to. In the long run, financially and the size of our community, I, most agencies do it the way we do it now. That it they they handle dispatch for all the different agencies because with this size of community, we're constantly working hand in hand with the university, with uh, Coralville, with North Liberty. So in fact, there was just, just before I came here, there was a call where there were officers from every agent agency involved on that. And that's when you have separate dispatch operations for each of those, the intercommunication gets pretty tough. So there are some challenges with, I get one vote when we're talking about making changes to communications, but uh, I have a pretty good relationship with the rest of the agency heads, so we can usually work through that. Um, I, I don't want to make it sound like an excuse. I'm blaming it on the communication center because I'm not. It's it's not their fault. It's something we can work through as a community. And I just wanted to add on that the Johnson County Emergency Management did, um, I believe, just within the last year, um, undergo some training for um, triaging calls to 988 or mobile crisis instead of the police department. 
Because <laughs> I just wanted to mention that the tip line is a welcome item. Uh, recently in the tower ramp shooting, the individuals involved ran by me and my chihuahua as we were in the alley by it. And uh, I see by the newspaper that apparently my call to the tip line helped out getting those located. So I appreciate the tip line. We have a bishop's chihuahua. <laughs> she thinks she's a saint. <coughs> All right. Is there anything else anyone would like to say? I'll say one more thing. Okay. <laughs> um, this is what the thing I mentioned at the last forum, and I think it's important because I, these people up here volunteer a lot of their time to do, to sit and sift through videos and, and, and it's a thankless job and I appreciate what each and every one of you do. I think it can be frustrating because we had, we've had people in past forums say, well, what, what is your authority? What, you know, you really don't have any authority, so wh why do you do this? Their real authority is their access and the ability for them to weigh in on policy. I, I know it can be frustrating when, you know, a lot of people think it's just about complaints um, that is part of it. That is certainly part of it. But I think their real power is being able to look at our policies and not to pat myself on the back, but talk to me and, and share their opinions with me. So um, I appreciate what you guys do. I watch those videos so I know how tedious that can be. Um, and you guys are doing it on your own time. So thank you for, for volunteering to do this. Uh, I think it lends credibility and it gives the community a voice in what we're doing instead of just, just me making all the decisions. So again, I just wanted to thank you all for that. Thank you, Chief. Thank you. Thank you. I want to give a, an example, um, one of the mo most recent examples I can think of, um, I think we discussed it at the last forum, of a policy change was um, when we noted that the Iowa City Police Review Board, um, or even to directly the department, people had 90 days previously to file a complaint with us. Whereas with other city agencies, it was 180 days. So that was one of the recommendations that we made within the last couple of years to make that 180 days instead of 90 that was approved. And that can make a big difference to somebody who's been through something traumatic. It can take time to sort through and be ready to put that all on paper. I just have a comment. Um, my husband's been on the police review board now for the second term. And there are a lot of things that I didn't realize the police did, like a police and fire department. We have a 101-year-old that lives with us. And there's, uh, she fell while we were on vacation staying with friends. And so our friend called, well, they called the fire department because they knew someone. And they have something called a lift. We didn't need the, the you know, 911 call. It came over, helped to get her back in bed, and she was fine. But there are a lot of things that you do that aren't just go get the bad guy. And I think the public needs to know more about those kinds of things that you do that certainly doesn't happen in a big city. So kudos to the police department and the fire department of Johnson County, or Iowa City. Thank you. 
All right. I will entertain a motion to adjourn. So move. Second. Second. All right. All those in favor? Aye. 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 The meeting has been adjourned. Thank you.